Welcome to the Declaration Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We pray that today's message encourages you and blesses you. If you'd like to connect with us, please visit us at declaration.org. Pastor John here. I am so glad that you are with us today. Right now, right where you are, hug your family sitting next to you. Do some high fives all around the living room. Give some virtual high fives, shout outs to people in those chat rooms. I really want to encourage you. Use those chat rooms. Talk about all the things that God is doing. Give us some prayer requests. We have people standing by wanting to pray with you. And I want to share this really quick before we get going this morning in the message. We have virtual growth track coming. That's right. If you have not been a part of growth track and you would like to be, let me tell you what Growth Track is. Growth Track is a place where not only will you learn about the vision and values of Declaration Church, but also if you want to learn more about how God uniquely created you, how He wired you on purpose with purpose, you can learn how you can make a difference right there through Growth Track. There's some really cool parts of that, um, some class like things, some lab like things, a lot of interaction. It's just a really fun thing. We're going to start it Sunday, May the 10th, and we will get with you and let you know how we're going to do how we're going to lay that out, whether it's each Sunday for four weeks or we're going to do two during a week or whatever. We're going to decide that really soon, but you can sign up today and we would love for you to do that. Just look for the connect tab and there's a place where you can sign up for virtual growth track starting May the 10th. All right, well, let's Let's dive in this week. We're going to be in the book of Jonah. If you have your Bible, and if you don't, right there, if you're on declaration.tv, there's actually a Bible app attached. You can click right there and go to Jonah chapter 1. If not, grab a Bible and maybe open it there. We're going to, we're going to start there. But before we go there, I want to talk about last week just a little bit. Last week, we spent some time talking about the word definition. Definition. And we looked at that and we said, okay, how, how, God, how, how can God use this moment that we find ourselves in right now to bring transformation or to redefine our lives and, and our families and, and even, I say, the church as a whole, how God wants to bring definition and transformation to the church um, I said something last week that I thought was pretty important. I said, before there is a great transformation, there is often um, likely a great interruption. And boy, have we experienced a great interruption. I mean, it's as if we were screaming down, you know, the, the racetrack of life going a thousand miles per hour, seemingly with very few real cares in the world in comparison to this, this massive brick wall that globally we have all hit. And honestly, um, as I look at the season, I have chosen to perceive this season that we are living in right now um, to be less about a disease, but more about definition. Definition. I believe God is, and, and he will be using this moment in our stories to, to redefine everything if we allow him to. Now, the book of Romans in chapter 8, verse 28, it's a famous passage. I love the way the Passion Translation reads because it says this. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives, bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. In other words, God will use this moment. God will use this season. God will use the pain, the panic, the pandemic, the fear. All of these things God can use to shape um, definition, transformation. So let's not only focus on 
getting back to normal. Let's not even focus on settling into a new normal because I really believe I hear God saying in this moment, I I hear God saying, man, I have created you not just to be satisfied with status quo, um, to just be normal. I created you for supernatural, not the normal. See, somehow, somewhere on the other side of this season, we're going to see that God, he will even use some of the most seemingly horrific, just the most horrific parts of the process that we've been through to actually bring good into our lives. And I know that sounds crazy for some of us because some of us have seen some really hard stuff. But I do believe that God, on the other side of this, he's going to show us how he's going to use it to bring good into our lives because he loves us, and Scripture says, because he created us to fulfill his purpose. Somehow, even in the most painful parts of our lives, man, God can use them for great purpose. And I just want to share some good news before we get into Jonah, Um, some perspective for us today. Psalm 23, verse 6 in the English Standard Version says this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I like the Passion Translation language of it. Listen to what it says. It says, why would I fear the future? What a great question to start with. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. So no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're seeing in the natural, we can be assured that there is a promise of God that his goodness is pursuing us, his mercy is pursuing us, his love is pursuing us every day that he has ordained for us to live on this planet. It says, then afterward, when my life is through, when I pass away from this life into the next, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever and ever, amen. Look, I I know... It's easy right now to kind of survey the land, to look around and begin to feel the gravity of the seeming brokenness of, I mean, it feels like everything around us right now is just broken, broken. But let me just say this, what we see as broken, I believe God uses building blocks. God has a way of taking the broken pieces of our lives and and making something brand new and beautiful. It made me think of, I'm not gonna say irony, but beauty of the fact of we know by trade Jesus Um, was known as a carpenter. And carpenters, they take old, messed up, or or just random pieces of material, and they put them together, and they build something with them that is beautiful, that's purposeful, that's useful. And and so that is what I believe God is going to do with this season that we're all in right now. God is going to make something beautiful and purposeful and useful out of all of this. He's got a way of taking the broken pieces and making things beautiful and brand new. So we can be encouraged because our God is a redeeming God. Now, with all of that said, I want to turn the corner just a little bit today. See, something I learned long ago, and I've had to learn it the hard way, but I did learn it, is that when I go through seasons of suffering or hardship or, or painful moments, I, I need to begin to ask myself some questions. Questions like this. Um, what can I learn from this moment? Uh, What is God saying or doing through this moment that I'm in? Is there anything that I need to be doing differently in this moment? Uh, maybe, um, Maybe I even ask, is my life in an agreement or in alignment with God right now? That's a big question that I think that we should all be asking. Um, Am I living surrendered to God's agenda or am I stubbornly living for my agenda? Well, that's a question I've had to ask a time or two. One of the things that I truly believe um, right now about this global crisis that we're facing together is this. God is calling his church back to himself, back to a pure place. God is desiring his church to come back to really 
I don't want to say the basics because I don't want to make it trite, but I believe he's calling the church back to his heart, back into true alignment with him. I believe he's saying to us as his bride this. He's saying, you were created in my image, but you continue to try to recreate me and recreate yourself into some other image that for whatever reason you find more attractive or maybe relatable, or maybe palatable, meaning, um, you know, pleasant to taste, which is sad because in that we have clearly began to display that our appetite for ourselves is far greater than our appetite for God, if that is indeed what we're doing. See, I believe that God is going to use, and he is using this global crisis and this global shaking to call the church back to holiness and to obedience and to righteousness and to purity and to truth, which has, li- the truth, man, this has little to do with our cultural idolatries that we have defined as our truth. I hear that phrase so much right now, whether it's in TV shows, whether it's in you know, political pundits or people talking, what is your truth? This is my truth. But here's what really matters. What is God? God's truth. What is God's truth? And this is what he is calling us back to. So many times, many of us, and I've been guilty, we try to contort and twist and shape this scripture so that it can fit our lifestyles. When truth be known, I've said this before and I'll say it again, we need to allow this scripture to contort and shape us because that's God's truth. That's God's truth. By and large, sadly, I think that, that today, The church of Jesus has been co-opted by things like cultural relativism, entertainment, um, a strong, you know, opinion-based, self-help, do-better, try-harder message, if you will, from some, and even some sort of, on the flip side, some sort of pseudo-gnostic intellectualism, knowledge-based elite theology club of sorts. These are the things that that we see, um, you know, if we're talking about a global pandemic of a virus, this is the global pandemic of the church right now. Just all these different things that are going on, running rapid. It reminds me of a little bit of the church of Laodicea. All the while, God in his goodness gave us this life-giving, life-changing, it-is-finished gospel that has invited us to surrender and bend to his will and his way and to be about declaring his kingdom that, that we would in that be offering this, 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 you know, and giving of this raging river of love and peace and joy to all who have ears and that will listen. That is our mission. That is our mandate. That is our privilege. That we would truly be about loving God and serving people, loving God and loving people for for the glory of God and for the sake of others. And this is some of the things that I believe that God is trying to bring us back to. We become so internally focused, so, so self-absorbed, so just complacent on a lot of levels. So I've been thinking um, about these things. And then some. Here's a random one for you. I've been thinking about taking up a new hobby. <laughs> I've been thinking about taking up a new hobby. You're probably going, John, um, you need some ADHD meds right now, and I might. But I have. I've been thinking about taking up a new hobby lately. Um, I remember not long, you know, it was a few years back, but, but um, I, I got into golf a little bit. And here not long ago, I really enjoyed the golf tournament that, I, that, that um, our church put together. Um, one of the, the, Paul Broadbent from our church did such a great job putting that golf tournament. Had, had a good time playing there. And, and this one time though years back I remember you know I, I was I was gonna play golf so I went and bought the right clothes I borrowed some really expensive clubs I went to an elite course I got the cart the whole nine yards but guess what 
Yeah, man, I could not play golf to save my life. In fact, somehow during that time, during that, that, that one, you know, 18-hole session, as I'm driving the ball this way, somehow I managed to hit the ball behind myself two different times in that same game of golf. I was terrible. But listen, I looked the part. Man, I looked the part. I looked like I knew what I was doing. I had the gloves on. I had the spikes. Man, I had the shirt. I had popped my collar. Man, I looked good. I looked like a pro, at least on the outside. The problem was, man, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't know golf. I just looked the part. Man, I was a poser. I was a golf poser, if you will. And, and, and as I'm thinking about that, listen, I'm afraid that that really by today's standards, if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful as people who claim Jesus, if we aren't careful as the church to the outside world, I'm afraid that we're going to look like a lot of posers if we don't already. We're going to look like people who say we know God and we try to look like we know God, but to these people on the outside, it's clear by the way that we live and operate that, that, that we don't really know God. We don't, we don't, or, or maybe that we've, 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 we comfortably know the God that we've created. Maybe that's it. Maybe we've com- we, we comfortably know the God that we've created, but it's not the God of creation. See, James chapter 1, verse 27 gives us something. And I'm starting 26. It says this. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is, is self-deceived. This kind of religion is of hot air, and it's only hot air. It goes on in 27, but real religion is defined. It says, real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless. Reach out to the loveless in their plight. And guard against corruption from the godless world. See, in other words, in this verse, we see that the important thing to God is our reaching out, not looking in. The important things to God are the homeless and the loveless, the the last, the lost, the least. The important thing is that we are guarding um, against corruption from a godless society, from one that would would claim maybe some sort of form of God, but deny the power of God. So we see a lot of these things. We're not to be internally consumed, obviously, but we're to be externally focused. We're to love God so much that we love him and what he loves more than we love ourselves. This includes the people that God loves. So in the Bible, we see a story of a guy named Jonah. I want to take you to chapter one today. And, I, and as I do, I just want to ask a few questions because we're going to see addressed all through the, the passage. But, but questions may be like this. Are we living and being obedient to God? That's a good question, number one question. Are we, are we aligned with God? Are we in agreement with God? Are we ignoring God? Are we running to God? Or are we running from God? Do we look like posers or do we look like people who really, truly love God? Um, are we, are, are, is our lives about serving God or, or being served? Is, is our lives about serving God or serving ourselves? Um, can God use really bad situations to turn people to a life-changing salvation? And ultimately, let me ask this question. It's kind of the big idea of this whole sermon right here. Will we be the church of Jonah or will we be the church of Jesus? So let's just start. Let me read the passage for you. It's Jonah chapter one. We're just gonna read the first uh, 16 verses. It says this. The Lord gave his message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, the scripture says. 
He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord, he hurled a, a powerful wind over the sea, calling, causing this violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shout to their gods for help and they threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, all, if all this stuff going on, Jonah is sound asleep down in the hold. So verse six, the captain goes down after him. How can you sleep in a time like this? He shouts, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew, they begin to cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused such a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demand, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? They say. Jonah answers, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Why did you do that? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah says, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, what happens? The, sailor row, the sailors, they rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they could not make it. So they, get, they begin to cry out to the Lord, Jonah's God. They say, oh Lord, they plead, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for this man's death. Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors pick Jonah up. They throw him into the raging sea, and the storm stops at once. The sailors are awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Let's pray briefly. Father, would you speak to us through your word? Holy Spirit, empower your word. May it be life-giving to us. May it be life-changing to us, God. In your kindness, bring conviction. And Father, may we not be satisfied to sit still and become stagnant any longer. God, call us um, to, to, to just be empowered by your truth. God, that your word would be like a fire in our bones, that we would be weary of holding it in, that we must put action to our faith. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as Jonah opens in, in verse one, we see that he gives this message to, God gives this message to Jonah. And he says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But it says Jonah gets up and goes in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Man, that is, I mean, to get away from the Lord. He, we, we see the, the first problem issues right here. Jonah's disdain for the people of Nineveh was greater than his desire for obedience to God. His disdain for the people of Nineveh, who God has called him to go minister to, to go warn, if you will, is greater than Jonah's desire to be obedient to God. See, if we read the whole story, Jonah decides on his own that, that well, God is going to do what God wants to do anyway. You know, with or without Jonah's help, God is going to be God. He's going to do God. Um, and so what would the point be of him even going anyway? He believed that God's merciful. He believed that God's powerful. He believed that God would relent on these people with or without Jonah's help, basically. And just in the first few verses, it makes me think and it makes me wonder, man, how many times has God spoken to me? 
that I've ignored him and decided to go the opposite direction. How many times has God spoken to us as a people, even asking us to do something, to partner with him, to join him in his mission for mankind? And we said no, and we gave an excuse rather than giving our obedience. See, since the beginning of creation, God has revealed himself. And all throughout his word we see, I mean, he, he has given us vision. He has given us uh, or called us to purpose. He has revealed, um, you know, his desires to us that he wants to do through us to make a difference. I mean, he gave us clear direction and directive. Look at the great commandment, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus says in 37, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. He said, this is the greatest commandment. And the second, he he says, it's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They're mutually inclusive of one another. This should be our motivation. God gives us these directives, these mandates. That's the very beginning. That's the baseline. That is the core value right there of all things that should drive us, that should motivate us, that should move us to mission out of a deep love and affection for God. That we would love him with everything that we are, everything that we have, and that we would love our neighbor Likewise, see, he also gave us the great commission in Matthew 28, starting in 18. Jesus came near and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all nations, go all people, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on, teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Matthew 24, verse 14, we, we get a glimpse. No one knows the time or hour when Jesus will come back, but we can know how soon he will be here because it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. See, God is calling us to be a part of a 24-14 kind of lifestyle that we would not be satisfied to sit and soak, that we have to go as a minister on mission to declare the greatness and goodness of God, to declare the kingdom of God to all peoples until all ears have heard, and then Jesus will return. He reminds us of who we are in Scripture. He reminds us of what we have in him. Things like Ephesians 2.10, we are the masterpiece of God. We are called according to Romans 8, uh, verse 11. I believe is, is it says, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives now within us, empowering us. We see this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Empowering us to be able to go and be his witness. But how many of us, instead of doing what God has called us and commanded us to do, how many of us could be described in the very first sentence of Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, but Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. It's like saying, but John got up and went the opposite direction. Fill, fill the blank with your name, but so-and-so, you, got up and went the opposite direction. How many of us could be described in that way? What did Jonah do? Well, he gets up, he goes the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, Scripture says. Instead of going to Nineveh as God tells him to, he goes down to the port of Joppa, he leaves. And I'm afraid far too many times today, the church in America at least, instead of moving in obedience, we, man, we've chosen obstinance. And instead of, instead of moving in faith, we, we remain gripped by fear, fear of not being perceived as politically correct or, or fear of man veiled as, as maybe being culturally relevant even. But what if our cultural relevance to the world is, per, is just a pervasive rebellion before God? 
I will say this about Jonah. At least, John, at least Jonah got up and he, he decided to go somewhere, even if it wasn't where God told him to go. See, too many times today in the church, many won't go anywhere at all. They just sit comfortably in their church, in their chair, and claim to know God and hear God, but they still choose to sit in his presence while remaining disobedient. Many aren't living the way Jesus lived. Many aren't giving the way Jesus gave, sacrificially, generously of himself, everything that he had. Many aren't serving the way Jesus served. You know, in, in, in the book of Joshua, there's a famous verse, and Joshua says in, in chapter 24, he says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day who you will serve. He's saying, make a choice. Either serve the gods of your ancestors through the Euphrates or, or serve the gods of the Amorites in those land in which you were living now. He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Notice Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He doesn't just say, we're gonna sit with the Lord. He says, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna serve him. And listen to me, yeah, there is a time to sit and find renewal and refreshment. There's a time to be in his presence and rest. But can I just say, those times of rest and refreshing, those mountaintops are only to prepare you to get off of your blessed assurance and get back down into the valley and start to work. Get back into the fields that are ripe for harvest. If Jesus were to come back right now, it's the question I ask myself. Would he find his church faithful in the fields or would he find his church comfortable in their chairs? See, God is calling us to get up and go to where he's commanding us to go. The biggest threat to the body of Christ and the world around us today is not atheism or cultural relativism or even challenging theology. It's literally sitting in complacency and comfort. We gotta choose our direction. In fact, that's the first thing I want you to see today. We gotta choose our direction Jonah, let's just say Jonah chose to go the complete opposite way that God told him to go. Joshua said, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Can I submit to you today, anything short of total obedience to God is choosing to go the opposite way that God has commanded us to go. Therefore, the church of Jonah. In our society, at church, or at large in the church, has to say, I don't think that we really have a big obedience problem as much as we have a big love problem. And it's so interesting that Joshua starts his verse in chapter 24 by saying, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, he goes on to say, choose, 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 choose whichever God, the little G God, choose whichever one, just choose. Can I also submit when we choose not to choose, when we try and stay Switzerland between God and society, we are choosing and it's not God that we are choosing. You know, um, pastor Aaron, our campus pastor, told me this story that I thought was really good and, and relevant and, and this week. He said this. He said, there was an atheist who once had a dream. He was sitting on a fence. On one side of the fence was Jesus and a lot of people. On the other side of the fence was Satan and a lot of people. And, and this man was dreaming this dream. He knew he was being asked to choose which group to go with, which side to go with, but he didn't want to choose. So all of a sudden, Jesus takes his people and, and goes away. And then Satan takes his people and goes away. So there's this man, just kind of, this atheist, he's kind of left just sitting on the fence by himself. He didn't want to choose. And after some time passes, Satan comes back and says, ah, I've been looking for you. You're coming with me. To which that man replies, no, 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 I, ha I haven't chosen yet. I, I don't want to go with you right now. And Satan just says, well, yes, you have chosen because that fence that you're sitting on is actually, it's my fence. See, we have to choose our direction. And, and the direction of serving Jesus is a direction of obedience to Jesus right when he 
commands, right when he calls, right when he invites, right at the moment when he asks. So let's go back to Jonah. So we know that Jonah directly disobeyed God. And instead of going where God told him to go, he decides to go the opposite direction completely. Because of this, Scripture says in verse 4, the Lord hurled this powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now I want you to understand, God brought on some wind. He brought on some waves. He brought on some rain. He brought on a storm in order to get Jonah's attention, to try to get Jonah to do a course correction, if you will. And this made me start thinking. It made me start thinking of where we are right now in our life, where we are in our world, what's going on around us. And, and, and let me just say, please hear me say this. I, 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 as I think about our situation and where we are today, the coronavirus, the oil and gas issues, the, the economic collapse, all these things, I don't want to say that God caused these things. Um, I, I don't want to say that God caused coronavirus. I don't want to say that God caused the financial crisis. But I will say this. Our God has authority over everything. And he will use anything and everything to shake us, to call our hearts back into alignment and attention and obedience. I will say that. So let's keep going. Verse five. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shout to their gods for help and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the load. But all this time, Jonah is asleep down in the hold. And, and I don't know if you see the irony like I see it here, but... The world is looking to everything and everyone for answers, but the one who, who knows the answer is asleep. See, this could be said of us as the church today, if we're not careful. I said it a few weeks back, and I, I'm going to say it again. We may not have the cure to this virus, but we do have an answer, and that is Jesus. It's Jesus. We have so much hope to offer in this moment to so many people who are scared. They're desperate. Some are lonely. They feel isolated. They feel panicked. We have so much hope to give them in this moment. But we cannot offer that hope if we are not operating in obedience. We can't offer it if we're more consumed with loving ourselves over loving our neighbors. We can't offer it if we are found asleep in the boat, if you will. Listen, man. One thing that we were talking about is, is I was walking through and processing this message with, with a couple of people is this. You're going to give out what you, get, what you have 100% of the time. You're going to give out of what you have 100% of the time. That means this. That means if you have fear, you're going to give fear. If you have complacency, you're going to give complacency. If you have anger, guess what? You're going to give anger. If you have joy, you're going to give joy. This is why we got to choose our direction. We gotta choose our direction. It goes on in verse six. So the captain goes down after him. He finds Jonah. He says, man, how can you be asleep at a time like this? He begins to shout at him. I mean, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to, to you and spare all of our lives. And I think it's a great question for us to ask ourselves. How could we as the church of Jesus, those that claim Jesus, those that follow Jesus, those that claim that they love Jesus, how can we be asleep at a time like this? This, this is why I believe in, in all of the transformation that can come out of this season of our lives. The greatest transformation could be and should be in the church. It's time that the church wakes up. It's time that we begin to pray to our God who has authority over everything. It's time to bend our knees and to bow our lives before him and contend on behalf of this planet, on behalf of God's creation, whom he loves. Turn our, our hearts back over. Align our, ourselves with him again. Verse 7. 
Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. I, as I probably talked through this five different times. And, and I thought every time I get to that verse, I think it's interesting that they do something so feeble and, and honestly um, rudimentary, elementary is, okay, well, let's just cast lots and figure this out. And even still, God uses that to point to Jonah, calls Jonah out. And they're like, man, why has this awful storm come down on us, they demand, when they know it's Jonah. Okay, you're the reason. So what did you do? Who are you? What's your line of work? What's your nationality? Where do you come from? What do you do? Jonah answers, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors begin to be terrified when they hear this, for they already told them that, or Jonah had already said, look, I'm running away from God. And they say, man, why did you do that? They begin to groan with him. Why? Why would you run away from your God? Why would you do that? Huh, interesting. An unbelieving world asks a believer, why would you run from God? I mean, think about it. If, if your God is so good, if your God is so loving, and if your God is so kind, if your God is so merciful and so powerful, if, if you love people because of the love of your God, why would you run from God? They're saying, your disobedience to God caused this. And again, side note, I'm not saying that we are the cause of this crisis that we are in, but I am saying it's worth examination. And why do I say this? Because 1 Peter chapter 4, judgment begins with the house of God. Look at it. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, listen, then what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? I mean, if we say that we're following Jesus, and if we say that we're a disciple of Jesus, we have to be okay to ask ourselves tough questions like this. I mean, we, we literally globally as the church of Jesus have gone to passages right now, especially like 2 Chronicles 7.14. There is a global prayer movement right now happening around 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Globally, the church has united around this verse right here and it's good and it's true and it is appropriate and why why? Because we want an out. We want this thing solved. We want this thing fixed. Of course we do. I do. I want this thing to be finished. I want an out. But let me ask, in getting the out that we're asking for, are we willing to give of ourselves? Are we truly willing to um, humble ourselves and pray and to deny ourselves and die to ourselves, die to our agendas, die to our assumed rights, turn from our wickedness and our disobedience, turn from our rebellious in our unloving ways? That's, a, that's the questions that we need to ask right now. Otherwise, it's just lip service. It's, a it's the same type of service that we, that we see in Amos chapter five where God says, get away from me with the, the, the noise of your hymns because I'm looking for justice and righteousness. If the heart doesn't match what's coming out of our mouths, then we're no better than Jonah going the opposite direction, disobedient to God. See, this crowd is saying to Jonah, you say you believe this, why would you run away from God? And it goes on. Since the storm was getting worse all the time, they ask, what should we do to stop this storm? Jonah says, throw me into the sea. Sacrifice me and this will stop. And it'll become, the, 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 the sea will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. 
So here's Jonah, a Christian, asking someone else to be obedient. Irony. But look what happens next, verse 13. Instead, the sailors, they begin to row even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they could not make it. So in this moment, tragically, we see the world showing more compassion and care than Jonah, who was a follower of Jesus. And listen, sadly today, to this world, there are many in this world that seemingly show more compassion and care than the church of Jesus. These men tried to do everything they could to save Jonah while Jonah had done everything he could to disobey God. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pled, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for this man's death. Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And man, I thought that that was an interesting perception when they said, for your own good reasons. They say, Then the sailors pick Jonah up. They throw him into the raging sea and the storm stops at once. The result of this was the sailors, man, they are awestruck by God's great power and they offer him a sacrifice and they vow right in that moment to serve him, the one true God. See, sometimes, listen to me, sometimes it's our sacrifice that can mean someone else's salvation. That may not mean our lives, but it might definitely mean our lifestyles. The things that we have come, become so accustomed to, the things that we become so affectionate about that ends up becoming an idol, the things that we end up placing in the, in the, in the most high place of our existence where only God truly deserves to sit. Here's the thing. God wanted Jonah to warn Nineveh not to judge him because he loved him. God, and here's what I believe about us. God wants us to, to declare his kingdom to, to America, to, to warn America, not to judge them, but because God loves them. And so should we. So should we. We gotta choose our direction. So where are we with this today? As I just start to wrap up here. I find it interesting in the Great Commission, Jesus says, I've been given all authority, and then he does something interesting. If you go to the book of Luke, you'll see He's told his disciples, I've been given all authority, but then in the book of Luke, you see that he begins to give the authority to his disciples. And then what have we done with the authority that God has given to us? We've abdicated the authority given to us in the name of comfort and convenience and cultural relevance and political correctness so to become basically nothing more than a country club-driven church. Listen to me, God is, he is transforming us or trying to. And the question is, is will we allow him to? Will we let him do even the painful shaping work that he has to do as the carpenter to make us something beautiful and purposeful and useful? Will we obey? Will we get up and go to the Ninevites that God has called us to? Will we bring the warnings? Will we sound the alarm? Will we? And why would we do this? Why? Why? Because we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. We love our neighbor as ourselves. This is why. Remember, it's our motivator. See, not only do we need to choose our direction, but we also need to choose our affection today. We need to choose our affection. If we love God the way we say we love God, we must love God enough to be obedient to God. And we must love the things that God loves the way that God loves them. This means people. This means purity. This means righteousness. This means holiness. All of the things that God is trying to call us back to. 
you know, I've got a, one of my greatest friends is, is Greg Johnson, who, who pastors Restoration Church. And he says something that, that man, it's, it's so impactful. He says this to his church often. And, and I just want to declare it over our church declaration. I want to declare it over the church because I think it's, 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 um, it's good. He says this. He says, you know what? We're not called to be a cruise ship. We're called to be an aircraft carrier. See, cruise ships are where people come for vacation and they sit and they soak up the sun and, man, they just hang out. And, but aircraft carriers, man, that's where jets land and take off to go accomplish missions. And that's exactly, I believe, what God is reminding us of the purpose of who we are to be. Will we be the church of Jonah or will we be the church of Jesus? We need to choose our direction and we need to choose our affection. Just as it says in verse one of Jonah chapter one, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Let me say it like this. The Lord gave this message to the church of America. James chapter one. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is itself deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless Reach out to the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. We are called to so much more. Let me pray for us. Father, would you work in our hearts in your kindness bring such beautiful conviction that calls us back to your heart, God. Father, would you rise up within us a need to, to move in, in action, to put action to our faith, to to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbors as ourselves, God, to, to, to be about serving because you served. You're the greatest servant that ever lived. And Lord, may we live in your reflection, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.